Hello, and welcome to Real Talk About Real Identity from Axiom. This podcast is devoted to important identity trends and the convergence of ad tech and martech. I'm Kyle Holloway, your podcast host, and I'm joined by our co-host, Dustin Rainey. And Dustin, hey, you're familiar with the saying, what's old is new again, right? Well, it seems like we're in a collective pattern of revisiting the old and new ways. I was at the Grapevine Mall in Dallas, uh, Texas, this weekend while having a quick bite in the food court, which just that statement alone makes it feel like a throwback to the mid-90s. I did some people watching, and there were these two young ladies that walked by in literal bell-bottom jeans, and another uh, young man came walking by in a pair of Chuck Taylor All-Star Converse shoes, and it just felt extremely retro. Like, And, and these were uh, young folk, and it was definitely you know the stylish thing at the moment so just a a different feel and certainly that kind of retro aspect so dustin you are a fashionable guy i know you well what retro (laughs) trends are you kind of seeing out there you know kyle i did like to take pride in being a thinking i was a fashionable guy you know but (laughs) i i actually went and little did a little people watching myself in nashville so i on a whim I uh, went to a Harry Styles concert with my wife. Nice. Right. There you go. Um, so, and boy, did I get to see a lot of, of fashion, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, I guess if you haven't been to a concert in a while and, and you know, Harry Styles, a younger audience, mm-hmm. I would say it was almost like anything goes. <laughs> it's <laughs> like I couldn't quite put my finger on mm-hmm. on kind of what is the, the fashion pulse. And I, now I wore a T-shirt, right? And typically when I'd go to a concert, I would like back in the day, I'd try to look nice and on trend and stuff. And maybe in my, my early forties, the whole fashion side is becoming less important. I don't know. I'm kind of getting scared, Kyle. Uh, (laughs) So uh, maybe I'm having an identity complex. Yeah, there you go. You're, you're aging with the rest of us. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's been interesting because also I just saw a thing pop up on the news um, from the Patriots game. And I think it was Belichick's son, who's one of the coaches and it was talking about his mullet. So um, there's, there's certainly some, some dark moments in fashion trends, Yes, but uh, you know, it's really not just about fashion. Uh, You know, if you take what's happening in digital advertising with all the noise around privacy and the reduction of online signals like third party cookies and IP addresses, we're hearing more and more discussion about returning to tried and true strategies. As first party data and identity continue to move to the forefront, we're seeing brands putting renewed interest on trusted channels like email and even direct mail. And we're also seeing a resurgence around contextual advertising. And so I'm excited to have with us today, Cristiani De Carvalho, VP of Business Development and Strategy here at Axiom. Cristiani has a great track record of driving client value through innovative solutioning and partnerships. Cristiani, we are so honored to have you join us today. And so why don't you kick off things by telling our listeners a little about your background and your role at Axiom. Thank you so much, guys, for having me today. I wish I was wearing my humper. I just bought a new <laughs> humper, too. And my, my husband keeps making fun of it, but I, I think it's super cool. I always want to have one, and I finally found one with the length. I, I'm really tall, so wish I was wearing that today for the topic. Um, I've been focusing on data and analytics for the past 20 years, but always on the marketing and advertising industry. 
one thing that I, I love the, the digital space and I really, really enjoy working with brands in the digital ecosystem. So that's my background. At Axiom, lately, I've been focusing on the consumer vertical and the Latin vertical. Consumer, what I mean by that is like the travel industry, retail, e-commerce, basically any brand communicating directly with the consumer. In the Latin vertical, I work with any brand or platform in Latin America. So that's my uh, two cents on my background and current growth here at Axiom. Nice, Cristiani. And that would have been, we should have had video here. So, you know, we could have seen you in your, your full glory there. Uh, in that, that I don't know if I'd call that trendy or not, but uh, hey, <laughs> as I said, any, anything goes. Well, hey, you talked about really enjoying working with brands in the digital space, uh, you know, especially as it relates to retail and travel. And you kind of mentioned some industries that honestly have been impacted the most, right, over the past couple of years. So before we get into to maybe some of the stuff that I, I know we want to we start talking about contextual and things like that, uh, COVID, what have you seen happen in the industries that that you, you're working with every day that, that you love, the brands that you love? Uh, what shifts are they having to make? What what trends are you seeing? You see us ever going back to the way it was before? I think we all have seen different behavior. Like, I just have the luxury of working with data and uh, really seeing the data and how behave, the behavior is changing. So when it comes to retailers, I think if I ask the small group here, we all during COVID change behaviors on how you purchase, how you buy your groceries. People who never bought groceries online before, there is a high percentage that experience. So there is a big shift on the retail industry, the travel industry as well, right? Uh, it's all over the place. And we all feel the only difference is that I analyze and I get to see the data in a few trends. So it, it's there. It's completely different than how it used to be. When you're talking to these um, clients and in these industries, how do you feel their readiness has been for really starting to capture a lot of that new first party data where historically, like I said, grocery shopping was done in person and uh, maybe through a loyalty card, but largely cash based as well. But now with online, it's opened up a whole new avenue of, you know, not just identity, but just first party data in general. Yes, I think what I'm seeing on the brands is that all the marketers are just trying to educate themselves. There is so much change in the industry, so there is a lot of education happening. There are some brands that are really starting to test and prepare for the future, but mostly education. Everybody hears about cookies going away. Everybody hears. They know that the consumer are constant, that they change. They change behaviors. And there is a, two of the clients that I interact personally. They just launched that they were predominantly in store and they recently launched their web presence. So I'm really excited. I love purchasing house items and clothes there. So I'm excited that I can look online. I don't have to go to the store since I currently have been living really far away from the city and I don't have access to that. 
which is a change from COVID, right? I used to live right in the middle of the city in New York City. Mm. And now I've been living in the North Fork and the tip of Long Island. And there is a group of people here, which I call the Brooklyn expats. They're mm -hmm. all families that used to live in the city and now move to their summer home or, or they rent homes here and they're just trying to escape the big city. So that's a big uh, say on the behavior change right there. And you mentioned third-party cookies, and yes, they're on their way out. Uh, some already gone. Obviously, Google, you know, deprecating in now 2023. There seems to be this shift back towards contextual marketing. Right? Is that what you're seeing? Uh, what does that look like? Yes, I'm definitely seeing an increase of usage of contextual data. So let's just like, define contextual data. Contextual is, an, I would say, an old school. Contextual exists for quite some time. It's just back in fashion right now. One, because it doesn't use cookies. And second, because there is more privacy compliant, you're not targeting a person, you're not targeting a consumer, you're targeting a page, you're targeting a page that the consumer visits. So in terms of data, what I've seen in the US, usually 20% of the media budget goes for contextual. This is prior to all the cookies situation. What I'm seeing is the brands are spending more of their budget, shifting their budget to contextual in the U.S. Funny enough, in markets like Mexico and markets outside the U.S., cookies were never an option due to the lack of a third-party graph to onboard data and, and due, the, due to the lack of data for targeting. Contextual has been a way that brands use to target with a much larger percentage. So, the ratio in some markets, you would see 80% contextual and 20% on data targeting. So in the US, I'm seeing the numbers are growing and I'm also seeing the numbers growing in global markets and global markets just should define as any market outside the US. So, you know, it kind of brings up a good point around contextual itself, right? Contextual is the aspect of, like you said, targeting a page and it's with the understanding of what's actually being on that page, right? The content of that page and, and the context of it to then the consumers that visit that page. So this kind of rebirth of contextual and the rise of kind of first party data, are you seeing like a strategy or, or kind of what's the value of bringing your own first party data and insights into this kind of contextually based ecosystem? What are you saying? I see brands asking for that. <laughs> brands, they are currently in silos, right? You have mm -hmm. the contextual strategy and you have the first body data strategy. As brands are preparing for the future, they are starting to build their first body data. Let's just connect both of them. So today we can use first party data to generate contextual. An example of that is we first would ingest the first body data through tags. Right now, we are using third-party cookies, and we are currently exploring and already moving to user-based IDs, but let's just use what we are doing now. We can ingest the first-party data, understand the behavior of those users, and then from, that, from those learnings, we can create a contextual audience from that initial seed that is the first-party data. 
So that is uh, one of the alternatives that brands should be exploring. I think regardless of the what they are doing, they should always experiment and try portion of their uh, budget on contextual. Because even today with third-party cookies, you cannot reach every single person online. When third-party cookies go away and until a user base ID obtains scale, it's important to have alternatives. It's important to be able to reach that audience different ways. So if you cannot reach Christiani, if Christiani didn't give the consent to any specific user base ID and you, were, you won't be able to find me online, why not buy the site? And then when I'm reading that site, when I'm consuming content based on the context of that site, you will be able to reach me. So Christiani, do you think that you know, this, this kind of shift maybe to kind of what Kyle called the old school a little bit um, <laughs> where now it's about content. It's like rather than, than it being on the, the person-based side of what data do you have on somebody, just follow them wherever they are. Now publishers or sites that have really great content about a specific topic, those, you know, that they're bringing a lot of value to this, this contextual exchange. Absolutely. And I guess now in a way, a shift to contextual could potentially kind of bring on a thriving open internet. I mean, what, what are your thoughts there? Because I, I mean, in, in essence, you know, you have these big tech companies who's, you know, they, they grew up kind of building tech platforms and whether it's news feeds or, or whatever, does this open the door for, for a healthier internet where these publishers, maybe even some of the small shops have a, a viable revenue model? Yeah, I'm a big fan of contextual, but and I believe it's going to increase the percentage of budget going to contextual. I don't believe contextual will be the only way to target consumers online. So it is a portion, right? It's, it's trying several strategies, a combination of different strategies. So to your point, yes, there is a lot of great content out there. How do you select the content? That's where Axiom can help with the Axiom contextual solution, right? The internet is so big that it's humanly impossible for you to select the right pages uh, that has the that will offer the right content and context relevant to your brand. And we use AI, artificial intelligence. We use a combination of keywords that is added by our uh, team data guru based on a briefing provided by the agency to build that contextual targeting to find. And then that is the first input. We, we put the keywords that make sense for that specific campaign. And the AI will be able to find the proper website for the targeting. Back in the day, they, was, they used to send like a list of 20 websites, I'm buying the 20. But right now, there's so much content out there. You need an automated way to do that. And that's where we can help. We can. We have the semantic audiences, which is cookie base, and it's currently transitioned to user base. But we can use that same audience, the behavior from that audience, and create a contextual targeting. Or we can just go directly. If you don't want to do an audience targeting and you want to go directly to contextual targeting, we can also do that. So there is options. And I believe it's a combination of strategy and options we have in the market for the future. 
Yeah, see, that's what I love about this kind of what old is new again is because there's a, a fresh take on it, right? So as Christiani was just saying, taking that old aspect of contextual and it's about the websites, but taking in the aspects of all that is now out there and so much content and then leveraging new capabilities like AI to be able to ingest that at a scale that, you know, isn't normally humanly possible. And then being able to marry those two together where now you can do that contextual based targeting across the open internet, as you were talking about, Dustin, you know, where you can take advantage of the fact that there's this vast ecosystem and a lot of long tail publishers that normally uh, you might not even know to look towards, but through the AI mechanism, we're able to say, hey, your audience actually is out on this, um, you know, long tail publisher. And because there's the correct context there that will even probably drive higher returns. So that's cool. I mean, I love how it all comes back around. If I may add, you just mentioned open internet. So right now, not just the open internet, but with private deals, we can export the contextual data package to an SSP and access premium inventory or a specific DYD inventories. That's another way go. that we are exploring, which is not just the open internet. So if a client is working with a specific SSP, we can push that audience directly to the SSP to filter. So there is a bunch of new things that we are testing and we have a few brands on board testing and it's exciting. The future is exciting. And see, I would go back to say, yeah, anything goes. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like... I swear I saw people wearing bell bottoms at the concert and I saw people wearing skinny jeans and, and it's like, we're kind of reaching this point in, in history and advertising history where what's old was new. What's new is altogether in some ways different in that it has to be with consumer privacy. And so I, and that, that's one thing I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, Christiani is like privacy, uh, Obviously, with when you stop tracking a person and it's all about a page, I guess that in a way kind of takes that completely off the table. But I still want to measure. So how does privacy play into my ability to really track and understand how contextual is working, maybe in correlation with what I'm doing on person-based advertising? Got it. Okay. So it takes testing and learning, right? When you're buying contextual, you're buying the page. So, so far, we are dealing with data-driven contextual here. We are using data to select the right pages. But now you're asking me about how to track that. I bought the page, so that is completely privacy compliant because I, I like to use, there's two examples that I like to use to make sure everybody understands this is super privacy compliant. You're buying a TV show. And if I'm buying a TV show that I know that a specific public goes and watch. So you might know that Christiani watches, but her husband will be watching that TV show with her. So you're targeting the entire household. The other example that I like to do of data-driven contextual, you select uh, a specific location to buy an outdoor because you know the traffic of that street would have a specific demographic or a specific type of consumer that is interesting for your brand. So, so far, we are all privacy compliant. You're talking about tracking. There's ways that you could do tracking. I maybe go and I, I will ask you, since you're the expert, 
on that. <laughs> you could use the R tag on the creative to collect information. So and you are the expert on that. You can uh, tag the creative with the R tag and collect information to feed and build your first body graph. So I think the question goes back to you, Justin. How do you do the measurement? Because I handle the data-driven contact show and you handle the identity here. I knew I'd better be quite be careful asking Christiani <laughs> questions, uh, especially off the cuff. Um, no, so you're exactly right, and and this is kind of I think part of the the new right it's things that are are kind of like if you think about a tracking mechanism, a lot of times people would think about tracking devices as something that you're tracking somebody literally across the open internet, and it's shared by every brand uh, so they can understand who a, you know that's what a third party cookie was, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's new technology now and, you know, that's really from a pure first party perspective where the user remains completely anonymous. However, the brand that actually spent the, the money to buy the, those eyes on, on that yes, device. Yes, those eyes, you know, they, those the, eyeballs. The, right, those eyeballs, right. You know, there is a, a bit in that that value exchange where there's you a lot of that, value that, there a yeah, lot of value them. every single bit of information of that user you can collect is important right and it doesn't mean that that brand should be able to share that information one you don't know who the user is so keeping that information anonymous but but using it for transparency and just understanding of how your ad dollars are working I think that's where where we're kind of going, right? It's a it's a, it's this balance, uh, making sure that the internet, where these big dollars are flowing, that there's some accountability and traceability there, so that it d- just doesn't run wild, that people aren't taken advantage of, while at the same time, absolutely protecting the the consumer's privacy. And get even though that data is pseudonymous, right? You don't know who is that visitor visiting that page. If you're serving an ad there, if you are collecting the information from that user, you can use those signals to feed into your first body graph. And more you understand of that consumer, what they are interested on, it's easier for the brand to better communicate with the consumer with a relevant message. Yeah, and I think that ties into also as you said at the very beginning, it's data-driven contextual. And so this is a way to get data kind of iteratively, right? So like you do some data-driven contextual, you're able to get those signals back now. You're able to analyze that still in a pseudonymous fashion. So you're totally privacy compliant, but you're able to inform the next iteration. And so now you're able to have this loop of uh, kind of data-driven activity while still being in a very, you know, privacy compliant mechanism and continue to leverage the insights then the AI and others to then shift how you are contextually um, reaching the right audience. Yeah, Christiana, you you mentioned first party graph and I might get this kick back to me as well. (laughs) (laughs) So does contextual require a graph to hold it all together? I mean, without cookies, it's like... What does that look like? Do you have to have a graph? Is it recommended? What are your thoughts there? Is your question around, do we need to have a graph to build a contextual product? Or do you mean, does the client need to have a first-party graph to, to have contextual, to, to take advantage of the data-driven contextual? Yeah, let me be more clear here. I, I, I think just for, like, if, if I'm making a shift, right, because of 
third-party cookie deprecation to to person-based, more person-based advertising to contextual. But if I'm making that leap, if I'm, I might be taking some risk here, right? Mm. Is a graph necessary uh, for, for if I'm going to take that risk or is are there steps that you would recommend to take? Um, Got it. Do I have to have it at first? Right. I think I'm going to go back to it's always a mix of strategies to reach the right audience. Hmm. I think I mentioned that I don't believe contextual will be the only way to target consumers in the future. It's great to have contextual, maybe for ex- for verticals that are extremely privacy compliant, and that's the only way they can uh, target their audience. Great to have that option, but I don't believe that's going to be the the future for everything. It's just like a piece of the media budget will go to contextual and will be more utilized, especially with the options with the data-driven contextual. But as brands are preparing for the future, I do believe it's extremely important to build their first body graph so they can communicate directly with the publishers, right? Having that direct communications. If you have your first body graph, you can communicate with the publishers directly. In terms of contextual, today it's not required to have, it's good to have, but we can we offer a data-driven contextual solution for clients that don't have their first body graph. What I'm seeing is clients that have their first body graph, they're asking us to connect because when they hear about that we have a data-driven contextual or a semantic audience, it's like, wow, I want them combined. I want them linked. That's what I'm seeing. But at this time, they are not dependent. No, that makes sense. And thanks for asking for the clarification there. I know we're, we're starting to run a little bit low on time here. I'm going to Go ahead and ask the big question, the wrap-up question of the day. It's the year 2035. What does consumer engagement look like? Uh, do you, Christiani, see a scarier Orwellian-type future, or do you see brighter days ahead? I absolutely, th- 2035, I see a bright future. I see every single brand with their first-party graph. I see... Uh, uh, user base ID with consent uh, across the board, uh, single language of communication between brands and publishers. Uh, I like to be optimistic, so I see a brighter future. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we will uh, gladly anticipate that brighter future uh, ahead. And I think, uh, um, interesting enough, as an industry, though, we've all kind of been struggling through uh, all these changes at times. You know, there's a lot of positivity still out there. So uh, I love that. Thank you. And so uh, we're going to need to close uh, today's episode. I really appreciate, Christiane, you joining us and to our listeners for joining us as well. Hopefully you found this episode informational. And uh, you can find all of our Real Talk episodes at www.axiom.com backslash Real Talk or on your podcast service of choice. And so we look forward to releasing another Real Talk About Real Identity episode in the near future. And good day to everyone.